The Baltimore Ravens are two and one as they enter week four of the 2023 season. But in week three against the Colts, things got a little bit sloppy. We talk about why the coaching has to be better, what to do about the injuries, and so much more. Come up next year on this episode of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Ravens podcast, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire here as always on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, thank you so much for being here with me today, making us your first listen each and every day on this show. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcasts, all platforms, and includes here over in video form on YouTube. You can subscribe both for free in video form and audio form. It's the same show, both audio and video. So if you you know, want to maybe listen one day, you're driving to work, driving from work, just going places, and maybe one day you want to watch, you want to see my face and my background, I got the live fish going in the background. Either way, you're not missing any content. You can also subscribe on subtext where there is more exclusive content, one-on-one text conversations. It's another way to support me and my work. We're building community here on Locked on Ravens, the show community, Twitter community, subtext community. It's all really awesome. So thank you for being here and being a part of this show here today. And if you're an everyday, I appreciate you tuning in for all the shows. If it's your first time, welcome in. We're a five-day-week Ravens podcast again. We're do, we do Monday through Friday, and also now that the season is on, Sundays after every game, we live stream whenever the Ravens play. So Ravens news analysis updates, we're here for you. So spread the word, tell a friend, tell a family member. We got you covered here on Locked on Ravens. Now, it wasn't a great day for the Ravens on Sunday, losing 22-19 in overtime. And there are a couple of things that I want to talk about. I think that right now, a lot of the conversation surrounding the Ravens is about the sloppiness and, and the execution not being there and how the Ravens missed an opportunity. And I think that's where it should be. Obviously, a move on is Cleveland in week four. We're going to get to that. But I think we have to look at how this game went the way it did and talk a bit about the coaching. We did a blame game thing yesterday. If you want to go back and listen to more more about the refs, Lamar Jackson, some of that, we have that in that show from yesterday. But today, I want to more focus so on the coaching. And it's not like I'm giving the coaching any more blame than I did yesterday. There was blame to be given to the coaching staff. But I want to just kind of talk about something that John Harbaugh had to say during his press conference yesterday and just why he, the coaching staff, has to be better in those situations moving forward. This is not going to be a 30-minute show of me saying, fire John Harbaugh, I'm not on that train. And I, you know, right now it's not the conversation to have that conversation. It's not the time to have that conversation. But I need to talk about the coaching a little bit and just what happened and why they need to be better. And it goes to the staff, too. We'll talk about the injuries in the second part of the show. What in the world Baltimore needs to do about them? I mean, I'm not going to pretend to be a doctor today. I'm not a doctor. But something has to be changed in the staff. The injury, the, you know, strength, conditioning, training has to be better for the Ravens because this keeps happening over and over again. Then we'll talk a bit a bit about the offense, the analysis that I have so far through three weeks. So, again, this isn't going to be like a doom and gloom, everything must change type of show. But it's something that we can talk about and have a conversation about because I think it's important to. I think we have to start with, again, what I heard from John Harbaugh yesterday. He talked to the media, gave his analysis of what happened during the game. And he said that, you know, he appreciated the way that his guys played and how hard they played. It was a physical game. Yeah, it, it was a physical game. But he said it was one of the games where there were probably more critical moments in the game than any game you can remember in a long time. And he also said that he, they made numerous plays in critical situations. I mean, yes, they did. But also 
they didn't. Like they made some critical plays, but I think I remember the game more as they missed this opportunity and that opportunity and that opportunity. Was John Harbaugh out there fumbling the ball? Was John Harbaugh out there missing kicks or missing throws? No, John Harbaugh can't, you know, execution wise, that's on the players. It's not on John Harbaugh, but it's on the coaches to one, have their players ready to communicate with the players to get them on the same page. Coaching is a really big part of football of sports it, it, I think it goes underrated in a lot of ways and look John Harbaugh has been one of the best NFL coaches for a long time here I'm a, I'm a John Harbaugh guy but again it is my job just like I talked about yesterday with Lamar it's my job to talk on this show and praise John Harbaugh when he deserves to be praised which I've done plenty of times and criticize John Harbaugh when he's supposed to be criticized which I've also done plenty of times the, the comment I'm referring to though is about the Zay Flowers situation John Harbaugh has asked to kind of take everybody through that two-minute situation, for those that don't know, I don't want to remind anybody, but Gardner Minshew has the safety, steps out of bounds at 2.03. They don't call it, though, and the clock runs to 1.58 in the fourth quarter, which is obviously below the two-minute warning. So that's a Colt, that's a time stoppage that the Colts don't have at that point. The refs end up resetting the clock to 2.03 when Minshew stepped out. That was the correct time on the clock but the Ravens didn't communicate to Zay because he was already on the field to, to take the fair catch or to not take the fair catch on the kick and run that clock down to 158 to again, not ha- let the Colts have that other time stoppage. So Zay catches the, the ball. It's fair catch. The Colts get the two minute warning. So essentially they have two timeouts instead of one. And that was one of the decisions, one of the situations that contributed. It wasn't the only reason, but it was one of the reasons why Baltimore ended up losing the game. John Harbaugh took responsibility for it. And said that they didn't realize at the time, you know, Gardner stepped out of the back of the end zone. They ruled it at 158. And then when they were in the huddle, they changed it back to the 203. And, you know, once they were on the field, that's when the clock changed. And he said, you know, they got to do a better job communicating, you know, talked about how communication is super important. Said it shouldn't have been a fair catch. He said they knew it and they didn't get the word to say like they needed to. And then he was asked about if they should have called a timeout in that situation and John Harbaugh said, quote, well, we thought we had the call in, so that was really, but no, looking back on it, I think right away afterwards, we all said to ourselves, we should have called timeout. So, yes, I mean, if we kind of had, looking back on it in hindsight, we should have called timeout and then we would have made it more clear, so I know we'll learn from that. I, 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 I appreciate him, you know, kind of owning up to it and saying, yeah, you know, my bad. But John Harbaugh has been a coach in this league for a very long time, is a member of the Ravens organization. At that point, you know, you, you need to know that if there's even any doubt that there was confusion there, and I think there was before the snap, you have to call a timeout. The Ravens, I think, had three timeouts, maybe two, but they had three timeouts when, you know, that ends up happening. You, you, you take the timeout, and I understand it's chaotic, it's confusion, everybody's running around, they're changing the clock, do you notice they change the clock? But again, you just have to be better in that situation because if, if – you communicate to Zay Flowers if you burn the timeout to tell Zay, you know, okay, you have to run the ball down past the two-minute warning so that the Colts don't have that stoppage. You have to do that. It's just it's it cost the Ravens the game in one way. Now there were ten other reasons why the Ravens lost. Don't get me wrong, but part of it has to do with the fact that John Harbaugh did not communicate did not communicate to his player. You know, yeah, this is what you want to do because again, they they had said, you know what, let's go out there, let's fair catch this football, apparently. And then that's what Zay Flowers did. He said, you know what, fine, I'm gonna do that. But obviously, the, the play clock stoppage was not accounted for when Minshew actually stepped out of bounds. So that's why it moved back from the 158 
to the 203. Don Harbaugh has been no stranger to controversial decisions going for it on fourth down in, in weird spots, going for two in weird spots. And again, this is not me saying to go and fire John Harbaugh. It's it's not. We can have that conversation if so, like you know if there are five other things that happen and the Ravens you know underachieve in this that and the other. This is not that time. I'm not here to overreact. I'm not here to you know it's week three. You know the Ravens are two and one. This this was one instance of this season. One instance of John Harbaugh and the other controversial decisions. I guess in this game we're not letting Justin Tucker kick from 62 and 64. He cited the field. Justin Tucker didn't you know he kind of owned up to it and said, look, it's my bad. You know didn't really take the field excuse route, which I give him a lot of credit for. I would have probably let Tucker kick it from 62. I mean the Colts got back to where Tucker you know if he missed it, that's where the Colts would have gotten the ball back. The Colts got there in two plays, I think. Michael Pittman had that huge catch where there should have been hands to the face on Brandon Stevens, I think it was. But, I mean, at that point, I think you live and die by Justin Tucker. That also was controversial. And, again, the Ravens had an opportunity to win the game right there. I get he missed from 61. I get the field was weird condition-wise. I also get he, he you know, 60-plus field goals are hard for anybody, even the greatest of all time in Justin Tucker. The second decision, not having them kick from 64 and they go for it and there should have been the penalty. Yeah, fine. That, that's a fine decision by me, but I probably would have kicked with Tucker, but I understand his viewpoint, you know, more than I just don't understand him not calling the timeout. It was, it was probably one of the more egregious blunders we've seen from John Harbaugh in a season like this. This is not a divisional loss, so it's not as bad as a divisional loss, but it's still a conference loss. It's a missed opportunity the Ravens had. And look, we we can talk about the players on Excuse me, talk about the fumbles and talk about the missed throws and talk about the run defense having a couple of really bad plays. But again, despite all of that, they had the opportunity up three with two minutes to go, two or three to go. You're getting the ball back. The Colts have one timeout, two, two clock stoppages. If they can get the two minute warning, you give them the second clock stoppage. They drive down the field anyway after you go three and out, and it just seemed like every single time I'm talking about coaching, Todd Munkin just could not get his offense going. They're not there identity-wise yet. We'll talk about that throughout the rest of the week, both today and then probably more tomorrow. And in the second part of the show, we'll continue talking about John Harbaugh, get a little bit more into Todd Munkin and the offensive unit, and also talk about what in the world the Ravens should do about these injuries. It is getting ridiculous at this point. Play this, will get to Unlocked on Ravens here soon. But first, this episode is brought to you by Nutrafol, and you don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrafol provides a whole body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair. No drugs, no compromises, just better hair. And sometimes men can think losing their hair is inevitable, but you can take control of your hair's future with Nutrafol's science-backed hair growth supplement for men. And Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol's hair growth supplements use physician-formulated, natural science-backed ingredients. Their drug-free, patented technology provides consistent, reliable results. Go to Nutrafol.com slash men to take their health hair wellness quiz. Identify causes of your thinning hair. Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair health through whole body wellness. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting root causes of thinning, such as stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, metabolism, through whole body health. 
And it works. In a clinical study, 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after six months taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplements. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash man and enter promo code locked on NFL. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men spelled N-U-T. R-A-F-O-L.com slash men and enter promo code locked on NFL. That's neutral.com slash men promo code locked on NFL. We're back for our second segment of Locked On Ravens on Taco Tuesday. Kevin Ostriker is still talking with you, talking about the coaching staff, talking about the injuries and the training staff. Let's wrap up on the coaches real quick, though. Again, me saying that John Harbaugh has to be better in those situations is, I think, a criticism that is fair, but I'm not going, you know, the the full panic mode and saying, well, the season's over because the Ravens lost this game to the Colts. It was a bad opportunity missed. They should have won this game. They had ample opportunities to execution, coaching, whatever you want to say. Multiple reasons were the reason why the Ravens didn't win. But I'm not here to say fire John Harbaugh. I I am still a John Harbaugh guy. I still think he's one of the better coaches in the NFL. His decisions can be a bit interesting sometimes, like we saw in this game against the Colts, but this is a team with such high aspirations. It's a team that just needs to be less sloppy. We've seen the sloppiness come over these first two weeks. Well, first three, I mean, the Bengals game wasn't as sloppy, but 13 penalties in week one, you can attribute that to some week one rust and, you know, just shaking off some stuff, a new offensive system and whatnot, but 13 penalties is pretty crazy. Like it's, it's pretty crazy. But then in this week three game, it was a different, I mean, the Ravens had one penalty for five yards in this game and we probably call it sloppier than the Texans game. (laughs) Like that is crazier to me than the 13 penalties. So things just have to get better. John Harbaugh has to have his guys ready more. Obviously the guys have to be more ready as well. It's not just on John Harbaugh. It's not just on the players. I still agree with what I've been saying, which is it's a combination, but Again, the, the the decision by John Harbaugh to not call the timeout, which in hindsight he admitted he should have. You just you can't have those mistakes, even though I know it can be very hectic throughout the course of an NFL game. But this is not like, you know, for Shane Steichen, it's his third game as an, a head coach, right? Like he, he would have maybe understood a little bit more if it was Shane Steichen where like, oh, didn't call the timeout. But that's something he'll learn. You know, Harbaugh's been at this for a decade plus plus. I think it's what 15 years now. So, you know, that's something to me that I'm just like, come on. Like, well, hopefully John Harbaugh, he will learn from it and it will be better in the future. But Todd Munkin is another hot contention point right now. You know, multiple talking heads on ESPN are saying that they're not impressed with the Ravens offense after being impressed last week against Cincinnati. Again, this is not panic button time. Yes, Todd Munkin has to be better in the fact that I think the first drive we saw him get super creative again, just an incredible opening drive for the second straight week. Week two against the Bengals was awesome. Week three against the Colts. Awesome. But then after that, it seemed like the playbook shrunk. And I don't want to say it was calling scared, but he I don't think he was calling to his full potential. We haven't really seen Mark Andrews get involved in the party as much as I would like. And I know defenses are accounting for him, but Rashad Bateman hasn't really been involved as well. And I think he is getting open. You know, I know there's been a lot of criticism on Rashad Bateman right now, but if he has one-on-ones, he is getting open. I mean, Zay's getting the majority of the targets pass-wise, and Zay's a great player. He's To me, my bull prediction was, oh, he's going to be the number one wide receiver on the Ravens before the season ends. I think he, I think he's the number one wide receiver right now. Like He was the number one wide receiver by the time week one ended, honestly. So my bull prediction there, I hit on that one. I'm proud of it. But again, I think there just has to be more creativity and more variation in the offense. You know, Ryan Clark of ESPN said the Ravens don't have an identity right now. 
And to me, like, that's okay. I mean, it's their third week. They're rotating guys in and out. But that doesn't excuse the fact, again, that one, we, one we've seen good from Todd Munkin so far over these first three weeks. But two, the clock is kind of ticking for them to find this identity and get guys back. And that goes hand in hand with the training staff stuff, which just is getting unreal at this point with four straight years now of ridiculous injuries. And we can already say four straight years because we're in week three and the Ravens have, I think, literally almost 20, if not 20 plus players hurt. Now, the thing that's a little different this year, I guess, which is a silver lining, if you want to call it that, is the fact that a lot of these guys aren't out for the season. You know, not great they're out, but they're not out for the season. You know, you have J.K. Dobbins, John Harbaugh said Ardarius Washington might be done for the year, but you're going to get Marlon back at some point. Maybe that comes this week against Cleveland. Marcus Williams will come back. Ronnie Stanley, Tyler Linderbaum, Odell Beckham, Adafi Owe. Those guys are coming back. I mean, hope I don't want to jinx anything. I'll say hopefully they're coming back. But this has been four straight years of this happening. At this point, like, what do you do? You got rid of Steve Saunders, which I thought was going to, I don't know, I thought it was going to help. And I guess it helped in the fact that it's not longer term injuries, but they're helping. I mean, it's very hard for me to sit here and like find silver linings because I praise the Ravens depth and all offseason I was saying, well, you know what? I feel so much better about the depth this year and that it hasn't changed, but it's not only are the starters going down. Now the depth is starting to go down. Like Tyler Wallace yesterday was just placed on IR justice Hill, who was your third running back. And now with Gus Edwards potentially out, you might be down to your fourth running back with JK already done for the season. So a room that looks like JK Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and justice Hill could all of a sudden for a week, look like Melvin Gordon and Kenyon Drake and Owen Wright, which is such a shift from what they had. So seemingly every position, not quarterback, you know, knock on wood, we don't want anything happening to Lamar, obviously, but almost every position is getting impacted by this. And it's just, it's shaving their depth. And my saying is with every injury, your ceiling goes down and your floor goes down. And obviously it depends on the quality of player that goes down and how important that guy is. But it's been so long now where, what do you do? I'm not a doctor. I can't, I can't, tell you know a bunch about oh, training methods you know we talk with Kadri Ismael and I'll ask his insight about this when I get him on this week hopefully about just what the Ravens should do we kind of talked about it a bit last week on our, our Friday show so again if you, if you have any interest on the training methods be sure to check out last Friday's show where we preview the Colts game a little bit more and so you, you can see how bold my predictions were for the Colts game but I think that at this point you do you wipe the staff clean like do you just say you know we're gonna whole new philosophy new training methods there are a couple of different trade from my very limited knowledge there are a couple of different training methods that are used in the nfl is kind of you know how these things are like kind of grandfathered in and teams don't really change up my understanding is i think the training methods that the ravens the nfl uses even like different sports leagues they're grandfathered in and I don't know enough to say if one is better than the other, but there are others out there that people use that some people do say are better. Some people do say it's not, it doesn't make a difference, but John Harbaugh has tried. I mean, remember last year when he said he laid out like a eight step plan of what he was trying to do with the injuries and make it better, like moving the practices in the morning to the afternoon and figuring out different ways to keep guys recovered. But the thing is the Ravens didn't play their starters in the preseason either. So it's not like you can say, Oh, well they rested their guys and kept them healthy and, but they're all injured now. (laughs) Like everybody's injured. So 
I don't know what to do. It is ridiculous at this point. Like the training staff, the methods, stuff has to start changing with that because what if season-ending injuries start to happen? And it's football. I understand, and I've said this so many – if you're an everyday, you've heard me say this so many times. Injuries happen in football whether you like it or not. It's a physical sport. Guys are going to go down. But I'm kind of scared to, like, go and look at the advanced stats of everything because I feel like I'm going to be pretty horrified with what I've seen over the past four years. I mean, the Ravens has been a historic injury stretch. I mean, teams like the 49ers have had really bad years recently. The Titans, the Steelers are a team that's kind of had underrated bad injury years. And there are obviously other teams who have had it too. But the Ravens are just on another level with the quality of guys they lose and the quantity of guys they lose and the seriousness of most of these injuries. Now, we haven't gotten to that third part yet, and I am not trying to jinx it, but that's the only silver lining I can see. So the coaching staff, we talked about it, has to be better in those situations that define games. The training staff has to be better in like 25 different ways to prevent these injuries and you know strength and conditioning and whatnot. Stuff has to probably change again this offseason. I'd be pretty shocked if they weren't, you know, looking at other options because, you know, John Harbaugh, he is not a doctor. You know, he he does not – these training methods and whatnot, it's a hand-in-hand job by Harbaugh, by all the – you know, everybody has some input, but training staff, strength staff, got to be better too. But coming up in the final part of the show, we'll talk more about the offense a little bit with Todd Munkin and getting into what they need to do and kind of setting the table for the next couple of days of show. So we should stay tuned, plan to talk about it here on Locked on Ravens. But first, this episode – is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Again, that's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. It's awesome. There's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So if you bet Ravens last week on FanDuel, probably weren't super happy with how the game turned out. The Colts put up a fight. I mean, again, the offense was just struggling out there. So any Rashad Bateman props probably didn't hit for you too if you bet the overs. But visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. We are back. It's our final segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker talking with you, talking Ravens football. Again, I appreciate everybody who's here with me today, making Locked On Ravens your first listen of the day. And you can subscribe again, both video form, audio form, not missing out either way. If you want to listen, if you want to watch, I'm very grateful for both the YouTube community that we have and the audio community. And if you're a part of both, I appreciate you being a part of both. That's awesome and and big time if you're a part of that. Also, the subtext community, getting to subscribe there as well is another way to support me and my work. We have exclusive content, text conversations one-on-one, because sometimes it can be hard on Twitter to, you know, just get to every single notification when I get, you know, hundreds, thousands of notifications per day, depending on the tweet days for me. But it's a way for me to engage with the listeners, the viewers, and build relationships. So if you want to subscribe to that, it's in all caps in the description below. So if you want to get in on that, I really appreciate that too. Let's talk offense a little bit. Again, what I've noticed so far, there's been good and bad from Todd Munkin. And I I want to preface this by saying I was never of the mindset that the Ravens were going to enter this season and just hit it off offensively week one. And it was going to be great. And they were going to be consistently amazing all season. This was going to happen. It was a hundred percent going to happen. There are ups and downs. You're working in not only a new offensive system with a new offensive coordinator, but a couple of new wide receivers, getting guys in different positions based off of what the new system is. And so what I've liked from the offense so far has been the tempo. I think Todd Munkin has used tempo to his advantage in a lot of different situations and not just waited and waited and put the play call in late like we saw with Greg Roman. 
I also think he's used some of Greg Roman's run concepts. John Harbaugh said after they parted ways with Roman that this wasn't going to be a full overhaul of the offense. And Todd Munkin has kind of hinted at some of that stuff too, where it's like there's he's still going to use some of what Greg Roman made in, in the offense. The run game with Greg Roman was one of the major strengths and it was part of what established Baltimore's identity of one of the best, if not the best running teams in the NFL over the course of his tenure there. But with Munkin, he still wants to utilize that, and, and obviously so, because it was so good. It's not like he's going to throw that all out. He's obviously added his own things in there, but the fact that he is still using that, I think, to me at least, is, is fine. Some of the things that I think would be a little better, I think Todd Munkin has yet to really open up the field consistently enough. We haven't really seen a ton of deep shots. I don't think we saw one. Maybe we saw one, but I don't think we saw more than one in that Colts game. There's, like, like there's a Flowers 52-yard bomb. Like that's something that opens up the field, keeps defenses honest and opens, just makes the defense respect your deep passing game. I think the reason why the Colts started blitzing is because the the Colts were saying, yeah, we know you're not going to throw it deep. And if we can get pressure on the more and force these throws, they're not going to do it anyway. So we can just take that out. The Ravens essentially made themselves one less dimensional in the aspect of they weren't throwing a deep. So the Colts didn't feel like they needed to keep a safety back because they felt like, Oh, it's fine. And I felt like the Colts were kind of boxing in sometimes too. Like they weren't going to let the Ravens beat them deep, but you got to test it a little bit. I think to me, that's one of the things Todd Munkin should have done a little bit more. And you, you don't have Odell. Sure. I, I get that, but we've seen Zay flowers open up the field. We literally saw it last week. We literally saw it last week, just over a week ago. Nelson Aguilar can do that for you. Rashad Bateman can do that as well for you. We just didn't see it enough personally for me. I, I also think that the Ravens, I don't know. I, I don't want to call it play calling scared because I, I don't think it's the right word, but it just got super conservative. Like again, the Ravens had that amazing 70, no, it was an 80 yard drive, 12 plays, 80 yards. And then we barely saw anything else from the offense. I think the way that the offensive line played, the way that the execution was, that did not help things. Like, I'm not going to say that, oh, Todd Munkin called a terrible game, but the offense performed and, like, they executed every single play. That's just not true whatsoever. But it was a combination of both things happening where the Ravens are still trying to look for an identity under Todd Munkin. And I think that they should embrace – some of the running that they have. The Ravens just didn't, because they fired Derek Roman and hired Todd Munkin, they didn't just go from this like top running team to a bottom running team. They're, they're still a really good football team running the football. Now, obviously, it depends what happens with the running back position, right? Like if JK's out, Gus is out, and Justice Hill is out, you know, I'm not super high on Melvin Gordon or Kenyon Drake. I mean, I, I nowhere near the players that Edwards or, or Dobbins are. So you have to hope that for Edwards and Hill, Dobbins is out for the year. You have to hope those guys can come back soon because they're a part of what makes the rushing offense so good. And losing JK for the season is a huge blow to it. But I think just, you know, getting the tempo up early and then, you know, going off of play action. Maybe you roll out Lamar on a couple plays. Maybe a couple designed QB runs here and there. Lamar had 14 carries in this past game against the Colts for I believe it was 101 yards. Yeah, 14 carries, 101 yards, and two touchdowns. That's a part of Lamar's game that we were all saying, well, look, that's going to the carries for Lamar are going to go down, but the throws are going to go up. But Lamar, I think he should still have that part of his offensive game where Tom Munkin shouldn't completely take it away. I mean, obviously he hasn't because there were a couple of those design runs and both were touchdowns. The, the two touchdowns that Lamar had running the ball were those designed runs. But for me, 
it will open up the offense if you just spread the field out, get Mark Andrews involved a little more, get Rashad Bateman involved a little more. And that doesn't mean just like force feed the ball to those guys. Like just, oh, well, Rashad has to have five targets in this game. And if, you know, he doesn't get four catches, keep feeding it to him. That's not what you do. But I think the Zay Flowers, you get him the football. That's awesome. He makes plays. He's shifty and he's an incredible player to watch. But I think more involvement for some of your top pass catchers would go a long way just to keep defenses honest. And teams are going to start doubling Zay Flowers. Like teams, you know, it's it's probably going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it probably will. So for me, three weeks, it's too early to say, well, the offense is not good. The offense, I think, is going to get it together by midseason. Maybe they don't. That'd be pretty bad. But I think my expectation going into the season was fine. By the time midseason comes, they'll be okay. They'll have figured it out. But again, injuries play a big part in that. You don't have Odell on the field. You don't have Ronnie Stanley. You don't have Tyra Linderbaum. You don't have J.K. Dobbins. Maybe not Gus Edwards. Maybe not Justice Hill. You know, there are things that contribute to just shuffling in guys. If you remember, I think it was... Uh, was it 2021? I think I think it was because it was Lightler's first year, I think, with the Ravens, where the offensive line went through like five or four, four or five different injuries in training camp. And the full starting offensive line didn't get to be on the field together throughout all of training camp. There was shuffling, you know, Bradley Bozeman in different positions. Then Bozeman, I think, got hurt. Stanley was, you know, out and he was trying to come back from the ankle injury and he didn't come back until very late. So they were shuffling guys in. It took the offensive line a little while to gel with each other because there was, they just didn't have enough chemistry put together. I think it's some something similar with the offense here now where guys are just going out and other guys are coming in, but then the other guys are going to come are going to come back and they're going to have to establish chemistry. So I don't know when it's going to completely click for the offense. I wouldn't, I would anticipate sometime in the mid season, but it's, you know, this is a very important stretch for them early on. It was a stretch I identified when the schedule came out where these two divisional games now back-to-back against Cleveland and Pittsburgh are going to have a major impact on division record, on AFC record, on your overall win-loss record if you're the Ravens. So got to figure it out. And I know the clock is definitely ticking when it comes to figuring out the identity for this offense. We've seen some good. I'm encouraged by the good, but obviously it just has to continue to get better each and every week. But that's all I have for you here today on Lockdown Ravens. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe, audio form, video form, subtext. We'll see you right back here tomorrow talking more Ravens on Lockdown Ravens.